one or the other. It's not faith and works. We put them together, but it's a faith that works, that plays itself out. And that's why we call the series Where the Rubber Meets the Road, because what James is interested in, what I believe Jesus is interested in, is how we live in light of who we believe in. And the only proof of our faith in Jesus is how we choose to live. There's faith, and then there's actions. They are two different things, but how should they come together? Today, Pastor Daniel invites you to unpack what the book of James has to say about this. You'll discover that God wants your faith to impact how you live every day. You do this by letting what's in your heart move outward when you put feet on what you believe. You'll share God's love and grace with the people around you in tangible ways. Now here's Pastor Daniel in James chapter 2 as he begins his message, A Faith That Works. So you know that they say that the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, right? And that idea is that, you know, whichever tree bears the fruit of your life, like, you, you kind of become like them. And so, you know, I always like to joke, like, I'm all Italian from New Jersey. And as an adult now, going to, like, ball fields where my kids play, there's these signs, like, the, the rules for the parents on how you should, like, treat the coaches and the other players and the, and the umps and stuff. And they actually designed those because of my family. Because kind of growing up, we'd play sports. Now, now, listen, part of it is cultural because, like, how many of you ever been to New York or New Jersey? Okay, all of you. Are people quiet there? They think they are. But they're not really. And so, like, I grew up in, in, this, in this environment where everybody was loud and everybody was opinionated. So I would be playing sports growing up, whether it was soccer or baseball or, you know, uh, football. I even played basketball a little bit. And, and literally, there'd be, like, a whole section of my people from my family who would just be yelling at everybody, yelling at me, yelling at the refs, yelling at the coaches. And I remember just like, and that was just normal. I mean, there was a time when my dad and my grandfather got thrown off of the complex of a baseball game. And my grandfather was like the most mild-mannered person ever. But, you know, it's, just, it's kind of how it was. And so I remember like when we started having kids and when our kids started growing, like because I'm a follower of Jesus, I realized I couldn't really be like my the way I was raised at the ball field. Can you imagine if you go to like, you know, a ball game and, and Pastor Daniel's there screaming at the umps? But like what's so funny is, is that when I go to the game, I remember like I would be standing there and like Jesus might be in my heart, but my grandparents are in my bones. You know what I mean? Like, so, it's like, so it's like I just want to yell at everybody. You know what I mean? And I remember like as Obadiah, I remember he was playing soccer and I, and I came up with this plan that I would stand on like the other side of the field and I'd put my hood on, I'd close it. And so I'd just stand there. And so every once in a while, I'd like kind of like go like this. And, but literally, what I was trying to do was I was trying to actually walk out the faith that I held, even though I wasn't quite there yet. There's an old saying, like, you got to fake it till you make it. And like, there's a part of that that's really real, because I didn't want to be the person who yelled at everybody. 
Like, I didn't want to be the guy who, I'm like, you know, that was a bad call, ref, even though I might feel that on the inside. The way that I was raised, it was like, that just stuff comes out of your mouth, right? And before you even think about if it's right or wrong, it just happens. And so, but what I realized in the journey was that what was happening in my heart and what is still happening in my heart today is that God is inviting us to be changed. He doesn't want our faith to be something that is just on the inside. Like, I, I hold this disposition or these beliefs on the inside. He actually wants it to make its way out into real life. Like, where rubber meets the road, at street level, on your jobs, in school. And in a lot of ways, so much of life is about allowing God to transform us and change us into the ways that he wants to. And really what you find in the, in the Bible is that God is interested not only in a faith that could save your soul, but also in a faith that can change your life. And I think what happens sometimes is in the beauty of the scriptures and what the Bible teaches, we live in a pretty, you know, kind of soundbite, superficial culture. And a lot of things of faith are not just superficial, there are, there's nuance involved. And in case anyone hasn't realized, our culture really doesn't do nuance at all. There's no such thing as nuance anymore. It's like, it's either like, if you got to say it, you got to say it in like 15 words and it has to have everything in it, right? But so many things of faith actually are about, there are different nuances that are involved in what does it look like for us to live this stuff out. And so in a lot of ways today, we're going to see the, the primary theme of the book of James that we've been studying together, where, where James now says, this is really what I'm trying to unpack for you. So open up your Bibles to James chapter 2, verses 14 to 26, the second half of the second chapter of the book of James. So if you brought your Bibles with you, pull those babies out, go to the book of James. It's towards the end of your Bible. It's right there between Hebrews and then 1 Peter, right there at the end. Chapter 2 is after chapter 1. Well, I want you to be able to read along with this because I'm always saying this, that um, I just said this to someone that, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Like, that's a good thing. Like, you have an opinion, now I have an opinion, everyone has an opinion. But really all that really matters is what God says. Everyone's allowed to have an opinion, but God says what he says. And so we, that's why as a church, we always ask you to open your Bibles, to read it in the Bible, because like, if I just give you a bunch of my opinions, I can, I can give you cool opinions, bad opinions, silly opinions, you know, but it's like, what does God's word say? And then how does this stuff work out in real time where we live? And so that's what we're always, we want to see what the Bible says. What does this, the word of God say? And how does it change our lives? So, so look at what he says in, in James chapter 2, verse 14. James says, but what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things that are needed for the body, what does it profit thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now, really what James is saying here is that he does not want us, and you and I, we should not let faith stand alone. Don't let faith stand alone. And so really what it's boiling down to is what James is pushing for is what is called biblical faith. 
which is a faith that actually changes the way that you live. Now, right as I say that, there are a number of you, you've been around church for a while, you know your Bible, you're like, wait, hold on a second. Hold on. Doesn't the Apostle Paul say that you're saved by faith apart from works, right? And, and everyone's just like, I see all these heads going, yeah. So how does this all work together? Now, what's so beautiful about this, I'm going to unpack this for you uh, as we go through this message. But this is one of the reasons why some of the early reformers in the Protestant Reformation wanted to chuck the book of James out of the canon. Because really what you have is you have Paul saying you're saved by faith apart from works. And now you have James saying, can faith save you? What he's talking about is faith without works, right? And so the question becomes, like, are these two guys in disagreement? Is the Holy Spirit inspiring things that are are in conflict to one another? Now, what I would say to you is the answer is, is they are not in conflict, and the Spirit of God is making a nuanced argument through each one of these writers to show us different aspects of what faith is. Right Now, what James is getting at here is he doesn't want faith to stand alone because if you truly believe in Jesus who came on a rescue mission to die on a cross, to be resurrected from the grave and to ascend into heaven to pour forth the Spirit, that is going to have a benefit to humanity if you were to believe in that faith. And so what James is first saying here is that real biblical faith has a sort of profit to it. There is a fruit that comes from having faith in Jesus that now becomes something that is a benefit to somebody else. If you think about that idea of being fruitful, we know Jesus said, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so you'll be my disciples. You have to remember that the tree that bears fruit never partakes of its own fruit. That fruit is for the benefit of others, right? Have you ever seen like a a peach tree being like, this is the most delicious peach I've ever made. No, right? It's like somebody else gets the benefit from that fruit. And in the same way, when we have faith in the Lord, our faith will bring some tangible benefit to the people around us, or it's not biblical faith. It's something else. Now, what's powerful here is James uses a, a very simple example. He says, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have work? So what we're talking about is we're not, we're not talking about, we're talking about someone who says they believe, but their lifestyle has not been impacted in the way that they live by what they say that they believe. And then he says, can faith, this type of faith, save him? Now, in the Greek, it's a question that is demanding the answer. No, this type of faith, can't save a person because he says if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them depart in peace be warmed and be filled but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body what does it profit so he's using a simple example of just kind of basic charity you see somebody who is starving and then you say yes be blessed be warmed and be filled but you don't give them something practically He's saying, how has that helped that person? They need something tangible. You're giving them nothing other than nice thoughts. And James concludes this by saying, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it's dead. He's saying, this is not biblical faith. This is not the faith that leads to the abundant life. This is some other version of faith. And one of the things you're going to find in this passage is that James wants to unpack 
faith as it is in the kingdom of God, and then another type of faith where there is belief divorced from where the rubber meets the road actions that he calls here dead faith. It's faith that doesn't save. Now, I've always heard it said this way, and I've always loved it, and I'll share it with you. The issue is not faith or works, and it's not faith and works. Really what the Bible is looking for is a faith that works. That's good, right? It's not faith or works. It's one or the other. It's not faith and works. We put them together, but it's a faith that works, that plays itself out. And that's why we call the series Where the Rubber Meets the Road, because what James is interested in, and what I believe Jesus is interested in, is how we live in light of who we believe in. And the only proof of our faith in Jesus is how we choose to live. So when I look at the example I gave of myself, not wanting to scream at the refs at a Little League game is proof that I believe in Jesus. Because I don't think Jesus would be screaming at the refs. Even if they made a bad call, which everyone saw. Right? There's something else going on. And really what I believe God wants to do in all of our lives is he wants to take our faith in Jesus and let it make that almost impossible 18-inch journey from our heads to our hearts, and then even more, from our hearts to our hands, from our hearts back up to our mouths, from our hearts down to our feet. Really what we're talking about is what I like to call applied theology. It's not head knowledge. And listen, I love reading. If you've ever come to my office, like I have a home office, I get in trouble for the amount, I, lo- I read. If the book is big, I like it even more. If the book's got like a whole, like a whole book full of footnotes, that gets me even more excited. But one of the things that I find in all of, and years and years of lots and lots of reading is that if I let my faith function in my head, I'll think I'm really getting somewhere, but nobody's life is going to be profited by all the thoughts that I think I'm thinking. All these deep thoughts. And we've all probably met people who they went, I'm going to think deep theological thoughts, and they become kind of judgmental. They're looking down, and they're the only one who knows the right way. You've all met people like that? If you're that kind of person, stop it. Right now. Because at the basic level, God is interested in a life that gets transformed by what we believe. We like to say here at Crosses, we believe in Jesus, and we actually believe in all the social implications that come from that belief. It's not just, I believe in Jesus and I'm gonna eat the pie and then I'm gonna die and the world's going to hell in a handbasket, so who cares about it? Man, we're just gonna go to heaven. No, no. God wants us to be a place of heaven on earth where we're ushering in light into the darkness, heaven on earth here. And we know that when he returns, then we're gonna get to be with him, but until then, there is heaven on earth ushering in that Jesus wants to do. He's looking for partners. And we believe as a church family, that's who we are. Because we don't want faith to stand alone. We want a faith that becomes embodied in us, in who we are. Now, as it relates to this idea of charity, listen to the Apostle John. 1 John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. He says, and John doesn't mince words here, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, How does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word and tongue, 
but in deed and in what? And in truth. I love that. He's saying, if you say you love God and you see someone in need and your heart is hardened to that need, how can you say that the love of God is within you? And what John is saying is the same thing as what James is saying. He's saying the faith that can save our soul should also change people's lives. That we should live in such a way that what we believe in has weightiness and impact on the world around us. And what that means is that for the people of God, true saving biblical faith is something that not only changes us, but changes others around us. And it's interesting because what we have in our day and age is we have primarily, and it is interesting that people always kind of have a tendency to live on the poles, on the, 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 the how far apart can we get, right? Like, so people either say, as a church, the church should be so much like the culture that we don't see anything different, or so much unlike the culture that we actually have no dealings with it. So you either, you either have faith that is, to use, the, to use the theological language, either synchronistic, where we synchronize the church with the world in which we live, or we have a church that is so separate from it that we don't interact with it, which becomes almost, you know, we would call it cultish, where you're like, we, we live in a commune, we grow our own food, we stock up the guns, and we wait for the rapture, you know? And that stuff, play, like, there's a lot. I, I'm enjoying the, the stereotypes on the edge, okay? And I really believe what the Bible is asking is not for us to be so distinct from the world that we don't interact with it or so like the world that we can't impact it, but there is this, for lack of a better word, there's this middle way where our faith in Jesus plays itself out in real time, rubber meets the road, street level living, that now heaven begins to touch down because Jesus is at work in us and through us into the world. So you have to ask yourself a simple question. Do you have a faith right now that is standing alone where your belief in Jesus is not changing the way that you live? It's not causing, like when you do something, you're not convicted by the Spirit of God that, hey, this is not like Jesus. Because really, when we start reading this stuff and we start interacting with it, we start saying, God, what do you want to do here? You begin to realize that God wants to transform all of us. So let's go on a little bit more because James unpacks some other things here. Look what he says in verse 17. Thus, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Verse 17, verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, oh foolish man, or that faith without works is dead? Now, really what he's saying here, and, and, and he sums up his argument at the end of verse 18, where he says that me and you, we should show our faith by our works. You should show your faith by your works. See, what he's saying here is that in the time of James, now don't forget, James is writing to Jewish people, right? 
He was writing to the 12 tribes that were scattered. So he was writing to a Jewish audience who believed in Jesus. What you had is that you had a very strong kind of works-based religion that they had come out of. And this is where really where James and Paul are pushing towards different things. When Paul is saying things, oh, I'll just read it to you. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. Paul says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in these. Now, you see how Paul says we're saved by faith, not works. What Paul was fighting against was legalism. Everyone say legalism. Legalism is the belief that because I did this, now God owes me, right? Now, Paul writing to a Jewish audience, they were very steeped in, listen, I keep the Sabbath so God should bless me. I give tithes so God should bless me. I do this so God should bless me. I keep the Feast of Tabernacles so God should bless me. And what's amazing is, is Paul is saying, listen, you're not saved by the things that you do. You're saved by the grace of God. So Paul is combating legalism. But what is James combating? James is combating superficialism. Where it says, I believe, but my life has not changed. I have this thought in my mind that I believe in God, but my life is not changing. Now what's amazing is if you notice what James says here, James says, if you believe, if you say there's one God, you do well. And he says, even who believes? The demons believe and tremble. So he's saying, look, The fallen angels that we call demons, they have faith, but not saving faith. The demons know that there is one God, the God of the Bible. They believe, but they are not following that one God. So he's saying you can believe in God and not have a transformed life. And he's saying that is not saving faith. So he's saying, listen, you say, show me your faith. I say, show me your works. He said, I'll show you my faith by my works. He's saying, look, My life should reflect the beliefs that I hold. Now, here's the deal, my friends. Imagine if after church today, if, you know, you're pulling out of the Crossroads parking lot, or for those of you online, you go to leave your house, you know, whatever, and and, and all of a sudden you look in your rearview mirror, and I'm in the car behind you. And you're like, oh, how cool, Pastor Daniel's behind me. Hey, Pastor Daniel, you know. But then you start driving, you start driving home, and every time you make a right, I make a right. And every time you make a left, I make a left. That'd be kind of creepy, right? You'd be like, is Pastor Daniel a stalker? <laughs> and then you pull into your driveway. But instead, I drive past your driveway and I pull into your neighbor's driveway. All right? Go up the door, knock, knock, knock. Now, you have to imagine this before a time of ring, because if I was knocking on someone's door and they didn't know me, I wouldn't answer the door for me either. With all the video doorbells. But imagine knock on the door, knock, knock, knock. Or I do like a like, ding, 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 ding. Like, oh, it's someone we know, you know, right? And they open the door. I'm like, hey, so, hey, my name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors over at Crossroads. Do you know your neighbor right next door? They're a Christian. Jesus is real. How would your neighbors answer that question? Would they say that your life reflects that Jesus is real and that he's at work in you? Today, Pastor Daniel shared that Jesus came to save your soul and change your life. He's all about transforming you from the inside out. And that plays out in the way that you live, 
When your heart is connected to Jesus and he's working in you, you'll live differently. And then people will notice that there's something different about you. Hey everyone, there's a lot happening in the world and it can keep you pretty busy. But I want to encourage you to take some time and devote it to your spiritual growth. I know God wants to do something in your life and I'm excited for you to discover exactly what that is. Come join me for a worship service at Crossroads Community Church online so I can share the Bible with you. Join me online at crossroadschurch.net or find me on Facebook Live. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for partnering with us. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will encourage you to take stock of how you live your life. What does your checkbook or your Netflix account reveal about your heart? Pastor Daniel will share some practical next steps to take when you pinpoint areas that need God's transformation. And you'll be reminded that we're all in the same boat. Works in progress who need Jesus. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Where the Rubber Meets the Road. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.